0: CHAPTER FIVE OF JOSHUA BY GEORGE EBERS This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. CHAPTER FIVE It was midnight. A fire was blazing in front of Hosea's tent, and he sat alone before it, gazing mournfully now into the flames, and anon over the distant country. Inside the canvas walls, Ephraim was lying on his uncle's camp bed. The surgeon who attended the soldiers had bandaged the youth's wounds, given him an invigorating cordial, and commanded him to keep still. For the violence with which the fever had attacked the lad alarmed him. But in spite of the leech's prescription, Ephraim continued restless. Sometimes Kasana's image rose before his eyes, increasing the fever of his overheated blood. Sometimes he recalled the council to become a warrior like his uncle the advice seemed wise at least he tried to persuade himself that it was because it promised honor and fame but in reality he wished to follow it because it would bring her for whom his soul yearned nearer to him then his pride rose as he remembered the insults which she and her father had heaped on those to whom by every tie of blood and affection he belonged his hand clenched as he thought of the ruined home of his grandfather whom he had ever regarded one of the noblest men nor was his message forgotten miriam had repeated it again and again and his clear memory retained every syllable for he had unwearily iterated it to himself during his solitary walk to tanis he was striving to do the same thing now but ere he could finish his mind always reverted to thoughts of kasana the leech had told hosea to forbid the sufferer to talk and when the youth attempted to deliver his message the uncle ordered him to keep silence then the soldier arranged his pillow with a mother's tenderness gave him his medicine and kissed him on the forehead at last he took his seat by the fire before the tent and only rose to give ephraim a drink when he saw by the stars that an hour had passed the flames illumined hosea's bronzed features revealing the countenance of a man who had confronted many a peril and vanquished all by steadfast perseverance and wise consideration his black eyes had an imperious look and his full firmly compressed lips suggested a quick temper and still more the iron will of a resolute man his broad-shouldered form leaned against some lances thrust crosswise into the earth and when he passed his strong hand through his thick black locks or smoothed his dark beard and his eyes sparkled with ire it was evident that his soul was stirred by conflicting emotions and that he stood on the threshold of a great resolve the lion was resting but when he starts up let his foes beware his soldiers had often compared their fearless resolute leader with his luxuriant hair to the king of beasts and as he now shook his fist while the muscles of his bronzed arm swelled as though they would burst the gold armlet that encircled them and his eyes flashed fire his awe-inspiring mien did not invite approach westward the direction toward which his eyes were turned lay the necropolis and the ruined stranger's quarter but a few hours ago he had led his troops through the ruins around which the ravens were circling and past his father's devastated home silently as duty required he marched on Not until he halted to seek quarters for the soldiers did he hear from Hornecht, the captain of the archers, what had happened during the night. He listened silently, without the quiver of an eyelash or a word of questioning, until his men had pitched their tents. He had but just gone to rest when a Hebrew maiden, spite of the menaces of the guard, made her way to implore him, in the name of Eliab, one of the oldest slaves of his family, to go with her to the old man her grandfather the latter whose weakness prevented journeying had been left behind and directly after the departure of the hebrews he and his wife had been carried on an ass to the little but near the harbour which generous nun his master had bestowed on the faithful slave the granddaughter had been left to care for the feeble pair and now the old servant's heart yearned for one more sight of his lord's first-born son whom when a child he had carried in his arms, he had charged the girl to tell Hosea that none had promised his people that his son would abandon the Egyptians and cleave to his own race. the tribe of Ephraim, nay the whole Hebrew nation, had hailed these tidings with the utmost joy. Eliab would give him fuller details; she herself had been well-nigh dazed with weeping and anxiety. he would earn the richest blessings if he would only follow her the soldier realized at once that he must fulfil this desire but he was obliged to defer his visit to the old slave until the next morning the messenger however even in her haste had told him many incidents she had seen herself or heard from others at last she left him he rekindled the fire and so long as the flames burned brightly his gaze was bent with a gloomy thoughtful expression upon the west not till they had devoured the fuel and merely flickered with a faint bluish light around the charred embers did he fix his eyes on the whirling sparks and the longer he did so the deeper the more unconquerable became the conflict in his soul whose every energy but yesterday had been bent upon a single glorious goal the war against the libyan rebels had detained him eighteen months from home and he had seen ten crescent moons grow full since any news had reached him of his kindred a few weeks before he had been ordered to return and when today he approached nearer and nearer to the obelisks towering above tanis the city of rameses his heart had pulsed with as much joy and hopefulness as if the man of thirty were once more a boy within a few short hours he should again see his beloved noble father who had needed great deliberation and much persuasion from hosea's mother long since dead ere he would permit his son to follow the bent of his inclinations and enter upon a military life in pharaoh's army he had anticipated that very day surprising him with the news that he had been promoted above men many years his seniors and of egyptian lineage instead of the slights none had dreaded hosea's gallant bearing courage and as he modestly added good fortune had gained him promotion yet he had remained a hebrew when he felt the necessity of offering to some god sacrifices and prayer he had bowed before seth to whose temple none had led him when a child and whom in those days all the people in goshen in whose veins flowed semitic blood had worshipped but he also owed allegiance to another god not the god of his fathers but the deity revered by all the egyptians who had been initiated he remained unknown to the masses who could not have understood him yet he was adored not only by the adepts but by the majority of those who had obtained high positions in civil or military life whether they were servants of the divinity or not and hosea the initiated and the stranger knew him also everybody understood when allusions were made to the god the sum of all the creator of himself and the great one hymns extolled him inscriptions on monuments which all could read spoke of him the one god who manifested himself to the world pervaded the universe and existed throughout creation not alone as the vital spark animates the human organism but as himself the sum of creation the world with its perpetual growth decay and renewal obeying the laws he had himself ordained his spirit existing in every form of nature dwelt also in man and wherever a mortal gazed he could discern the rule of the one nothing could be imagined without him therefore he was one like the god of israel nothing could be created nor happen on earth apart from him therefore like jehovah he was omnipotent hosea had long regarded both as alike in spirit varying only in name Whoever adored one was a servant of the other, so the warrior could have entered his father's presence with a clear conscience, and told him that although in the service of the king, he had remained loyal to the god of his nation. Another thought had made his heart pulse faster and more joyously, as he saw in the distance the pylon and obelisks of Tanis, for on countless marches through the silent wilderness, and in many a lonely camp, he had beheld in imagination a virgin of his own race whom he had known as a singular child stirred by marvellous thoughts and whom just before leading his troops to the libyan war he had again met now a dignified maiden of stern and unapproachable beauty she had journeyed from succoth to tanis to attend his mother's funeral and her image had been deeply imprinted on his heart as his he ventured to hope on hers she had since become a prophetess, who heard the voice of her God. While the other maidens of his people were kept in strict seclusion, she was free to come and go at will, even among men, In spite of her hate of the Egyptians and of Hosea's rank among them, she did not deny that it was grief to part, and that she would never cease thinking of him. His future wife must be as strong, as earnest, as himself. Miriam was both and quite eclipsed a younger and brighter vision which he had once conjured before his memory with joy he loved children and a lovelier girl than kasana he had never met either in egypt or in alien lands the interest with which the fair daughter of his companion in arms watched his deeds and his destiny the modest yet ardent devotion afterwards displayed by the much sought-after young widow who coldly repelled all other suitors had been a delight to him in times of peace prior to her marriage he had thought of her as the future mistress of his home but her wedding another and horneck's oft-repeated declaration that he would never give his child to a foreigner had hurt his pride and cooled his passion then he met miriam and was fired with an ardent desire to make her his wife still on the homeward march the thought of seeing kasana again had been a pleasant one it was fortunate he no longer wished to wed Horneck's daughter. It could have led to naught save trouble. Both Hebrews and Egyptians held it to be an abomination to eat at the same board, or use the same seats or knives. Though he himself was treated by his comrades as one of themselves, and had often heard Kasana's father speak kindly of his kindred, yet strangers were hateful in the eyes of the captain of the archers and of all free Egyptians. He had found in Miriam the noblest of women. He hoped that Kasana might make another happy. To him, she would ever be the charming child from whom we expect nothing save the delight of her presence. He had come to ask for her, as a tried friend ever ready for leal service, a joyous glance. From Miriam he would ask herself, with all her majesty and beauty, for he had borne the solitude of the camp long enough, and now that on his return no mother's arms opened to welcome him he felt for the first time the desolation of a single life he longed to enjoy the time of peace when after dangers and privations of every kind he could lay aside his weapons it was his duty to lead a wife home to his father's hearth and to provide against the extinction of the noble race of which he was the sole representative ephraim was the son of his sister filled with the happiest thoughts he advanced toward tanis and on reaching the goal of all his hopes and wishes found it lying before him like a ripened grain field devastated by hail and swarms of locusts as if in derision fate led him first to the hebrew quarter a heap of dusty ruins marked the site of the house where he had spent his childhood and for which his heart had longed and where his loved ones had watched his departure beggars were now greedily searching for plunder among the debris the first man to greet him in tanis was kasana's father instead of a friendly glance from her eyes he had received from him tidings that pierced his inmost heart he had expected to bring home a wife and the house where she was to reign as mistress was raised to the ground the father for whose blessings he longed and who was to have been gladdened by his advancement had journeyed far away, and must henceforward be the foe of the sovereign to whom he owed his prosperity. He had been proud of rising, despite his origin, to place and power. Now he would be able, as leader of a great host, to show the prowess of which he was capable. His inventive brain had never lacked schemes which, if executed by his superiors, would have had good results. Now he could fulfill them according to his own will, and instead of the tool, become the guiding power. These reflections had wakened a keen sense of exaltation in his breast, and winged his steps on his homeward march, and, now that he had reached the goal so long desired, must he turn back to join the shepherds and builders to whom it now seemed a sore misfortune. He belonged by the accident of birth and ancestry, though denial was futile. He felt as utterly alien to the Hebrews as he was to the Libyans, whom he had confronted on the battlefield. In almost every pursuit he valued, he had nothing in common with his people. He had believed he might truthfully answer yes to his father's inquiry whether he had returned a Hebrew, yet he now felt it would be only a reluctant and half-hearted assent. He clung with his whole soul to the standards beneath which he had gone to battle and might now himself lead to victory was it possible to wrench his heart from them renounce what his own deeds had won yet eliab's granddaughter had told him that the hebrews expected him to leave the army and join them a message from his father must soon reach him and among the hebrews a son never opposed a parent's command there was still another to whom implicit obedience was due pharaoh to whom he had solemnly vowed loyal service sworn to follow his summons without hesitation or demur through fire and water by day and night how often he had branded the soldiers who deserted to the foe or rebelled against the orders of his commander as a base scoundrel and villain and by his orders many a renegade from his standard had died a shameful death on the gallows under his own eyes was he now to commit the deed for which he had despised and killed others his prompt decision was known throughout the army how quickly in the most difficult situations he could resolve upon the right course and carry it into action but during this dark and lonely hour of the night he seemed to himself a mere swaying reed and felt as helpless as a forsaken orphan wrath against himself preyed upon him and when he thrust a spear into the flames scattering the embers and sending a shower of bright sparks upward it was rage at his own wavering will that guided his hand had recent events imposed upon him the virile duty of vengeance doubt and hesitation would have vanished and his father's summons would have spurred him on to action but who had been the heaviest sufferers here surely it was the egyptians whom moses curse had robbed of thousands of beloved lives while the hebrews had escaped their revenge by flight his wrath had been kindled by the destruction of the hebrews houses but he saw no sufficient cause for a bloody revenge when he remembered the unspeakable anguish inflicted upon pharaoh and his subjects by the men of his own race nay he had nothing to avenge he seemed to himself like a man who beholds his father and mother in mortal peril owns that he cannot save both yet knows that while staking his life to rescue one he must leave the other to perish if he obeyed the summons of his people he would lose his honor which he had kept as untarnished as his brazen helm and with it the highest goal of his life if he remained loyal to pharaoh and his oath he must betray his own race have all his future days darkened by his father's curse and resign the brightest dream he cherished for miriam was a true child of her people and he would be blessed indeed if her lofty soul could be as ardent in love as it was bitter in hate stately and beautiful but with gloomy eyes and hand upraised in warning her image rose before his mental vision as he sat gazing over the smouldering fire out into the darkness and now the pride of his manhood rebelled and it seemed base cowardice to cast aside from dread of a woman's wrath and censure all that a warrior held most dear nay nay he murmured and the scale containing duty love and filial obedience suddenly kicked the beam he was what he was the leader of ten thousand men in pharaoh's army he had vowed fealty to him and to none other let his people fly from the egyptian yoke if they desired he hosea scorned flight bondage had sorely oppressed them but the highest in the land had received him as an equal and held him worthy of the loftiest honor to repay them with treachery and desertion was foreign to his nature and drawing a long breath he sprang to his feet with the conviction that he had chosen aright a fair woman and the weak yearning of a loving heart should not make him a recreant to grave duties and the loftiest purposes of his life i will stay cried a loud voice in his breast father is wise and kind and when he learns the reason of my choice he will approve them and bless instead of cursing me i will write to him and the boy miriam sent me shall be the messenger a call from the tent startled him and when springing up he glanced at the stars he found that he had forgotten his duty to the suffering lad and hurried to his couch ephraim was sitting up in his bed watching for him and exclaimed I have been waiting a long, long time to see you. So many thoughts crowd my brain, and above all, Miriam's message. I can get no rest until I have delivered it. So listen now. Hosea nodded assent, and, after drinking the healing potion handed to him, Ephraim began. Miriam, the daughter of Amram and Jochebed, greets the son of Nun, the Ephraimite. Thy name is Hosea, the help and the Lord our God hath chosen thee to be the helper of his people. But henceforward, by his command, thou shalt be called Joshua, the help of Jehovah. For through Miriam's lips, the God of her fathers, who is the God of thy fathers likewise, bids thee be the sword and buckler of thy people. In him dwells all power, and he promises to steal thine arm, that he may smite the foe ephraim had begun in a low voice but gradually his tones grew more resonant and the last words rang loudly and solemnly through the stillness of the night thus had miriam uttered them laying her hands on the lad's head and gazing earnestly into his face with eyes deep and dark as night and while repeating them he had felt as though some secret power were constraining him to shout them aloud to hosea just as he had heard them from the lips of the prophetess Then, with a sigh of relief, he turned his face toward the canvas wall of the tent, saying quietly, Now I will go to sleep. But Hosea laid his hand on his shoulder, exclaiming imperiously, Say it again. The youth obeyed, but this time he repeated the words in a low, careless tone, then saying beseechingly, Let me rest now, put his hand under his cheek and closed his eyes hosea let him have his way carefully applied a fresh bandage to his burning head extinguished the light and flung more fuel on the smouldering fire outside but the alert resolute man performed every act as if in a dream at last he sat down and propping his elbows on his knees and his head in his hands stared alternately now into vacancy and anon into the flames who was this god who summoned him through miriam's lips to be under his guidance the sword and shield of his people he was to be known by a new name and in the minds of the egyptians the name was everything honor to the name of pharaoh not honor to pharaoh was spoken and written and if henceforward he was to be called joshua the behest involved casting aside his former self and becoming a new man the will of the god of his fathers announced to him by miriam meant no less a thing than the command to transform himself From the Egyptian his life had made him, into the Hebrew he had been when a lad. He must learn to act and feel like an Israelite. Miriam's summons called him back to his people. The God of his race, through her, commanded him to fulfill his father's expectations. Instead of the Egyptian troops whom he must forsake, he was in future to lead the men of his own blood forth to battle this was the meaning of her bidding and when the noble virgin and prophetess who addressed him asserted that god himself spoke through her lips it was no idle boast she was really obeying the will of the most high and now the image of the woman whom he had ventured to love rose in unapproachable majesty before him many things which he had heard in his childhood concerning the god of abraham and his promises returned to his mind and the scale which hitherto had been heavier rose higher and higher the resolve just matured now seemed uncertain and he again confronted the terrible conflict he had believed was overpassed how loud how potent was the call he heard ringing in his ears it disturbed the clearness and serenity of his mind and instead of calmly reflecting on the matter memories of his boyhood which he had imagined were buried long ago raised their voices and incoherent flashes of thought darted through his brain sometimes he felt impelled to turn in prayer to the god who summoned him but whenever he attempted to calm himself and uplift his heart and eyes to him he remembered the oath he must break the soldiers he must abandon to lead instead of well disciplined brave obedient bands of brothers in arms a wretched rabble of cowardly slaves and rude obstinate shepherds accustomed to the heavy yoke of bondage the third hour after midnight had come the guards had been relieved and hosea thought he might now permit himself a few hours repose he would think all these things over again by daylight with his usual clear judgment which he strove in vain to obtain now but when he entered the tent and heard ephraim's regular breathing he fancied that the boy's solemn message was again echoing in his ears Startled, he was in the act of repeating it himself, when loud voices in violent altercation among the sentinels disturbed the stillness of the night. The interruption was welcomed, and he hurried to the outposts. End of chapter 5